To uh, podcast number two, uh, I'd like to go ahead and introduce uh, our panel for for uh, podcast two. Uh, first, um, Sawyer Rosenstein, you're a, uh, a flight director with the Challenger Center, correct? That is correct. I work at the uh, Lower Hudson Valley Challenger Center, which is located in Aramont, New York, in the United States, and it's one of 50 Challenger Centers across the United States, uh, which are in memory of the STS-51L crew, which uh, tragically exploded back in. Uh, 1986. And by the way, you can also follow that Challenger Center on Twitter at LHVCC, and you can follow me at the NASA Man. All right, um, Mark. Um, uh, Mark Ratterman is uh, our second second panelist here. Mark, you've got a pretty interesting job, at the FAA. Oh, I have fun every day. I'm an electronics technician for the FAA. Of course, the name has been changed since then to an acronym that makes no sense. But uh, basically, I work on a lot of electronic stuff, a lot of old equipment in a lot of cases, things that are uh, 10 and 20 and even pushing 30 years old. So uh, I'm familiar with the old things, and I'm excited about the new stuff. And that's why I'm interested in this podcast and a lot of the uh, things that I that I see about technology in space today. That's that's fantastic, Mark. Really, and uh, thank you for all your hard work. You're one of the folks that uh, keep commercial air uh, aviation flying. So again, thanks for all your uh, your help there. And I'd like to introduce a new member of our panel, uh, Gina Hurley. Gina, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm from Massachusetts, and I don't work in the aerospace industry. I'm a marketing manager at a media firm. But I've been a space enthusiast my entire life. There's not a day I remember that I wasn't interested in the moon, the planets, and who these astronauts are that are, um, you know, have this incredible acumen to pull off such a journey. And as a mother now, I have tried to infuse a profound love of space to my children and not very happy about my son not being able to see Americans go into space for a long gap. So, um, you know, I'm just bothered by, um, you know, the general malaise of America, and um, I follow NASA and um, our quest for space very closely. Gina, again, I want to say thanks for, for taking the time out to join us here tonight. Um, I'll uh, really I appreciate it because uh, I wish enough people felt the same way you do. Um, just to introduce myself, my name is Gene McCulka, and um, I'm just simply a lowly little tech writer right now uh, with a firm that uh, does some government contract work. Uh, but I have been uh, a planetarium presenter. I have been following the program since I was a, uh, a young pup and uh, have been uh, just extremely excited about this topic uh, pretty much as long as I can remember. So sort of Gina and I are, are cut from the same cloth at that. Well, we've had one busy week, folks, um, up there in, uh, in the heavens. First, we've had some wonderful news come out of the uh, 
the Goddard Space Flight Center and uh, over at uh, and also over at NASA headquarters this week. The uh, first images uh, of the newly refitted Hubble Space Telescope, courtesy of the STS-125 crew and their re their repair work. Um, wow, that's all I'm going to say. When those things were first revealed, I got goosebumps. Um, and I first I have to publicly thank Barbara McCluskey for really, really pushing this mission. I'll admit I was not one of the folks that thought that this was going to work, and I didn't think it was was it was worth the risk of life initially. But when I saw how they were going to go ahead and pull this off, um, uh, I was just very, very enthusiastic about it, and I was just absolutely thrilled to see what I saw. Gang, um, I'll open it up to you, up to you folks. Well, there was certainly some impressive imagery that has come out of Hubble. I mean, I guess I'm not personally surprised because Hubble's something that, you know, when the first time it was launched way back when, and we needed a major fix because the, the lens of the telescope itself um, was not properly installed or there was a, it was off in a measurement by a small, I don't know, one one millionth of an inch and was was showing fuzzy pictures. And NASA went up there then and pulled off the fix of all time. So I guess personally I'm not surprised that STS-125 um, delivered the goods yet again. And, I mean, Hubble is just an amazing, an amazing project. Um, I wish it, we could keep it up there for uh, another couple of generations. I know we got some new things in the pipeline that will probably be better eventually, but, you know, it goes without saying. I mean, NASA just keeps pulling off some great feats, and they did it again. Uh -oh. oh, I agree. Go ahead, Gina. Uh, I agree fully. I remember when Hubble went up and the disappointment of hearing that there were problems with it. And I think it's just phenomenal. A credit to the teams that are involved with Hubble day-to-day -day and uh, NASA and the repair missions that they've uh, – or servicing missions, I guess they call them, that they've come up with. It's a testament to to the the work that, that you can do with with people in space and with their hands-on equipment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if you just look at some of the new pictures that they've created and released um, when they replaced, you know, like the wide field, wide field camera and uh, some of the other features on it. I mean, they've updated it five times since 1990, and every time they do it, it just gets even more amazing. And at first, I was devastated back um, in November of 08 when uh, STS-125, the Hubble Servicing Mission 4, as it's called, was originally supposed to go up, and then Hubble broke down. And it was almost uh, like, is it going to keep going? Or are they going to be able to fix it? And now that they fixed it and released these Im images, it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah, seriously. I mean, I, I, I was uh, so enthralled with the way things went. I really had to publicly thank the crew of STS-125 during the tweet-up. Um, I mean, I was just absolutely floored. They made the impossible look simple. Um, during all all of those EVAs, and they worked their tails off, and now uh, the rest of us are going to uh, go ahead and benefit from the fruits of their labors. I mean, it, it just incredible stuff going on, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, what the new Hubble can really, really do in the coming years. Uh, we also had a uh, interesting launch of a Japanese cargo vessel, the HTV which is heading to the International Space Station. I believe it's going to rendezvous on September 17th 
and Nicole Stutt has the uh, who is up there right now on the on the ISS has the uh, honor of uh, doing the uh, the grapple and bringing uh, the uh, HTV a little uh, excuse me coupling the HTV onto the station. Uh, the HTV will be carrying a few tons of supplies and. Uh, uh, scientific instrumentation to be used on the ISS, but it's again another another uh, country that is going to be able to help us uh, keep the ISS going past uh, the uh, the shuttle retirement. Um, comments from from the team? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, it's great to get all these other uh, people participating in the ISS because the I does stand for international, yes. and so. It's great that we're actually exercising a letter of the alphabet yes. and uh, making it an international endeavor. And, um, I mean, it's great that they're getting in. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that they've tried, um, you know, they've tested out the HTVs. And uh, was there a problem with the docking on one of them originally, or am I mistaken? I think you might be thinking about the Jules Verne. Oh uh, yes, you're um, right. Which was Issa's uh, cargo vessel, um, and of course we've got the, the the Russian Progress, but those have and those have been traditionally pretty darn good at doing what they're what they're supposed to do. Um, but I think it was the Jules Verne that had had the issue. Um, right, and actually now that I think about it, even it's not uh, the problem with that with the automated systems on the docking. This one, it's automated up until. Canadarm can uh, grapple it and then uh, attach it. Okay, then you might be thinking progress because the uh, the crew's uh, computer on board um, there has been kind of well, they've got it down to a science now, but it's it, it, it's in its history it's been kind of bulky. Um, in fact, uh, when it was being used for Mir, there was some some issues with it, and I think that helped. Uh, Excuse me, because of a uh, an issue with uh, the Corps' computer, um, the folks on board Mir had to go ahead and take over and do manual docking, and unfortunately that led to all sorts of mayhem. I could be wrong on that um, as to what that was really all about. I'll have to go ahead and reread. Um, there's an interesting book called Dragonfly, and I forget who the author is, but it's all documented in there. It was all about um, you know the the operations of Mir, but anyway. Um, I think you may be referring to the, the Corps' computer on board the Progress. I could be wrong on that, but I will check my facts and, and present that on podcast number three. All right. Um, anybody else want to want to chime in? Um, I'll just say one more thing if no one else has any comments. Um, I remember reading somewhere, actually, that at one point back in 08, NASA was um, – there was rumors that they were negotiating with JAXA, the Japanese Aeronautics Exploration um, Administration, and they were mentioning something about maybe uh, the HTV being like the successor to the shuttle fleet um, due to concerns about you know refueling and servicing the ISS afterwards. And of course, it was automatically you know shut down. Like it's not officially or unofficially uh, been discussing the purchase of the H-2 transfer vehicles, as quoted in a press release. But I find that interesting that there were even talks of that at one point. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it seems to be, it, it looks like it's going to be prophetic now, um, since the shuttle fleet is going to be grounded um, toward the middle of 2011, it looks like now. 
So uh, there are a couple options on, on the table. We've got uh, the HTV, we've got the uh, ESA's Jules Verne, and we have um, the Russian Progress. So at least we can send supplies up to up to the station. But it looks like uh, Russia is going to have the uh, pretty much the monopoly on getting human beings into low Earth orbit past uh, 2011. So. Um, Anyway, speaking of getting human beings to low Earth orbit and back home from low Earth orbit, um, the STS-128 mission, um, Shuttle Discovery, ended its uh, flight with a textbook landing over at Edwards Air Force Base due to uh, some rather uh, uh, nasty weather brewing in and around uh, the uh, Kennedy Space Center landing strip there. But uh, again, I believe that was what um, I forget what the number now. It used to. It was on my on the tip of my tongue, and I lost it. Um, the number of uh, uh, missions that have ended over at Edwards, but uh, again, fifty three or fifty four, I think, Gene. I, I, I think, think it was the. I'm sorry, Gina. Go ahead. I think it was the fifty third or fifty fourth landing at Edwards. Okay, thank you. Um, so, but it went. Uh, the mission went wonderfully. All all the EVAs went uh, according to plan, and uh, Discovery safe back home. Um, which leads us. Uh, anybody want to just just dive dive in and uh, comment about the flight? Um. Well, it you know it brought up the uh, Leonardo, which brought up some extra things to the um, International Space Station, some supplies, and probably the most famous, the Combined Operational Load Bearing External Resistance Treadmill, better known as. The Colbert. Oh boy, yeah that 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 was that opened up that whole thing opened up a big can of worms, um, with uh, uh, the popularity of uh, the Colbert Nation and all that. But uh, Steve still got his uh, his instrument up there, and I hope uh, it it goes to great use on on board the International Space Station, which kind of sort of leads us into the first topic we kind of sort of want to want to kick around a little bit. Boy, we are on a transition tonight. Everything is flowing. I know it's beautiful. <laughs> um, it's kind of uh, the, the coverage that the uh, just the general media has had with relationship to uh, to the shuttle and just to space issues in general. Um, gang, I don't know how you feel about this, but good God, this is—it's just been dreadful of late. I mean, the, the, I think the whole thing started a few months back when I think Aviation Week uh, shut down their bureau over at KSC. Uh, there was, you know, and uh, some good talent was was uh, let go there. Um, Miles O'Brien, bless his heart, um, who was just absolutely phenomenal on CNN, he was let go because they shut down their bureau. They shut down their space bureau. Um, and I, I just don't think the press is, is uh, really taking the whole endeavor seriously. Um, I'll open this up to the floor, but I know, Gina, you've got some really, really interesting things to say about this. No, I, you know, this is, um, I, I just think, part and parcel of where America is heading right now. I mean, we have an incredible organization in this country. It's called NASA. They pull off amazing feats all the time. They also happen to get coverage on page 12, and I think that's sad. I mean, where we have baseball players who are taking steroids and making millions of dollars for playing a game for a living get coverage on page 1. I mean, I, every time I look at CNN, 
on CNN.com, a day doesn't go by that I don't have some, you know, sub-headline about John and Kate Goslin's divorce. I don't care. I don't think most of America does, but yet, sadly, we're sort of drawn to it. And, you know, where's the coverage of the space shuttle? Well, it's below their main line down on, you know, a text section. And, you know, if you go scrolling down enough, you may find something. And that's just unfortunate. I mean, I don't understand why when we have something so positive to report and talk about and exciting that, you know, why it's it's so buried where, you know, everything is just so negative. If it's, you know, a celebrity divorce, if it's, you know, a congressman calling the president a liar, regardless of what your politics are. I mean, this is what we seem to be, what we gravitate towards. And, you know, I don't know why the press isn't holding on to something that could make America feel pretty good about itself right now. And I think there's a whole generation of children out there that don't even know what's going on. I brought my neighbors outside last week during an ISS at a shuttle pass. They have an 11 and a 7-year-old. They thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I, you know, they didn't know the name of the space shuttle that was in space. But they didn't even know the name that, you know, Discovery was the name of one of the space shuttles. There's something inherently wrong with that. I mean, this is our space program. I think it's a great source of patriotism something that can absolutely unify Americans right now, and as we just passed yet another anniversary of 9-11, I mean, eight years have gone by. There was certainly a feeling of brotherhood after we all had that sort of common enemy, but even that subsided. And again, you know, it's just, where are we going in Afghanistan? We can talk about that until the cows come home, but here's something that could give the press five minutes to talk about that would really be positive and exciting, and they don't seem to, to grasp it. I, I watched the landing on uh, the news the other night. I didn't have the opportunity to have um, NASA TV on the Internet. I, put the, I tried to find the landing. Uh, Fox typically covers a little bit more than CNN, so I started there. Bill O'Reilly's show was on. It was a split screen. I don't even think Bill O'Reilly and his panel knew that the space shuttle was on um, the the broadcast. And they were going on and on still about the congressman, Joe Wilson, calling Obama a liar in the middle of uh, his address to Congress the other night. Mm -hmm. I was flicking back and forth to CNN. CNN had the Camp Brown show on, never even covered it. They went to commercial when it actually touched down. When they returned, they didn't even show the touchdown. They showed a few minutes of the approach, a few seconds of the approach, and then they showed it rolling down the runway. Never even showed the touchdown. And just, okay, Discovery's home safely. Back to you. And that was it. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know, it's astounding to me. I, I can't understand why that it, it just doesn't get more press. I mean, this is a good story. And, you know, there's so much to be proud about and so much to talk about. And when they did return and there was some dialogue over the coverage, um, you know, there were jokes being made about, you know, I hope the astronauts know where to get their luggage kind of dialogue because these reporters don't even know what to say. It was my my conclusion as to why they were, you know, not talking about or had some facts in front of them to discuss what had just happened. So it's just unfortunate, and I, I think that, Without the press beating the drum, most of America doesn't care. 
And so, you know, where's the political will to get us back into space quicker than a seven-year gap? Well, I think it's with John Kate Goslin's divorce because that's what America gravitates to. And that's where we are, looking at seven years on the ground. And, you know, we're not calling our congressman to say, why isn't NASA getting to the moon faster? Because Americans don't care. And it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I have to agree. Um, what do you guys think is the, the cause of the malaise in general? I mean, you're mentioning you know, the, the little divorces and all, and, and all of this. I think we kind of look at that as if you've ever looked at a, a car accident, you know, you want to go ahead and just whiz by because you've got someplace to go. But everybody just slows down, down and looks. You know, it, it's one of those things. And I guess that's the mentality some folks are sort of locked into. But... In general, what do you folks think is the reason for the malaise? Why do you think that, that uh, John Q. Public and Jane Q. Public really just don't seem to care? Is it that they don't think that space is, is a part of their lives, or is it something else? I think I've it may got be... A... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, I, I went first last time. You, you go ahead, Sawyer. <laughs> All right, <laughs> fine. Sawyer, go for it. All right, thanks. So, um, honestly, I think it's uh, probably, you know, a lack of connection to their life as well. Like one thing that I've always strongly said in the past is how they will always bring up uh, NASA. They always brought it up in Obama's um, stimulus plan to try and help uh, get things, you know, moving. And everybody always put up NASA, and they always did it for one reason, and that was to mock and ridicule the president of why is he putting our money there? And I was so angry when they were mentioning that. It's almost like you have no idea of all the spinoffs and all of the technology that has come from space travel and all of these things that NASA has done. And you'd be amazed what there is. And the people just don't want to take the time and realize that because it takes time for those products to develop. They want it now, and they want it where they can see it in their everyday life right then. We're, we're sort of are. I mean, the computers that we have in front of us are in part and parcel um, directly, you know, antecedents of the diskies and all that that, that ran ran Apollo in, in, in a lot of respects. Some of the technology that, uh, that we're using to, oh, I don't know, there's coding on my glasses right now that, that were, that were our direct uh, spinoffs from, from, uh, from NASA. Um, Mark, you had something to say. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the problems was was highlighted with just a single sentence in a blog that I read recently, and it's by uh, uh, the Twitter name is C Miles Baker, and uh, and she made the statement in the middle of this: How can we integrate the public more in the meantime? And the rest of what she was some of what she was discussing was science education. And I found a, uh, a few months ago a, a website that shows high-resolution pictures that you can pan and uh, tilt and change your perspective and zoom in of the space shuttle interior. And can you imagine what Walter Cronkite would do if he had had access to that interior? And it was for training purposes at Johnson Space Center. But can you imagine what Walter Cronkite would do with that? with a space program and talking about the shuttle and what it's like in flight and the excitement that that would generate in young people and in the adults that were interested in as children back in the uh, in the space race uh, heyday. I mean, I still remember um, Uncle Walter, as, as we all knew and, and, and loved him, 
in one of the uh, the LEM simulators going ahead and, and talking with um, one of the astronauts about how they were going to land, land the LEM. And as a young kid, good Lord, that gave me goosebumps. Um, but as, as Gina was sort of saying, you know, for some reason or other, we've, we've kind of lost our edge. And my belief is we are, everybody's saying, oh, good God, you know, our economy's in the dumper and all this. Well, gang, we've got a perfect economic engine there. It's called NASA. It's right under your noses, folks. Um, if you went ahead and invested more money into this the same way, say, you invested money in, oh, I don't know, cash for clunkers, um, the, the return on that, on that investment would be absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, just think of what, what, uh, what you could, what you, what can come out of something like that. Well, I think we can already look at what's come out of something like that. When President Kennedy drew that line in the end of the sand, in the sand, saying we're going to get to the moon by the end of this decade, four hundred thousand people hopped to to put that Apollo program in motion. When he said that, we didn't even know what Gemini was yet, and we had to figure that out to figure Apollo out. And all of a sudden, we had inventions and technologies and centers built and infrastructure and a workforce that had to train and and know this knowledge, and we've lost it since then. And I would single-handedly say that even though we have come out of that Vietnam War, the same sort of malaise that we've come out of Iraq with, it was that that made America great for the past few decades. It really catapulted us into superpower status. And what are we doing now? Nothing. We're sitting around saying, should we, you know, should we fly that last space shuttle mission? Gee, I don't know. We have one left, you know, one external tank left over. I guess we should use it. Okay. You know, I mean, we're spending time with the Augustine Committee. You know, what are we getting out of it? I mean, we've got options. You know, I know the president's focused on health care. But, you know, again, the stimulus, it is, it is the perfect stimulus engine. And we just can't seem to get them together. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out why that is. Do you think it's it's the general public just not knowing what kind of bang they're getting for their buck as far as the space program is concerned, or is there something else at play, um, guys? Well, I don't know. I'm going to hold President Obama a little bit accountable. I mean, he um, used Apollo imagery in his campaign ads on TV, and. You know, he kind of um, wanted to liken himself a little bit to President Kennedy. So I'm waiting for this boldness to come out of him. And I, we kind of need a leader that's going to say, all right, yeah, we're going to go back to the moon. Or, yeah, we're going to Mars. And it's not, it's, you know, I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm hoping it's there. I'm hoping he's just big time distracted right now on health care. And I'm sure that's probably the case. But, you know, we we need some direction from the top. And. Yep. Uh, I'm, ho I'm hoping it's from him. You've hit it right on the head. I think what we're looking at, in all honesty, is about 40 years, and I sincerely mean this, on both parties' parts that just really have not given the space program a lot of TLC. It's been presidential neglect and and the public just, just being apathetic towards space um, in general. I mean, with it does have its cheerleaders, present company included.
that really, really understand how important the program is. But we've got to go ahead and get that message out. NASA is one of the few government agencies with a television station. But yet, somehow or other, it's just the message just is not getting out there. And I guess it's, it's up to us to sort of step in and kind of sort of help the process along. Um, commentary? Yeah, I, I have to... Short, uh, I, I went it's a shortcoming on... <laughs> go ahead. Uh, 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 Sawyer, go. No, Mar. I went first last time. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, okay Mark, it's all yours. <laughs> uh, we need a traffic cop to, uh, <laughs> That's to, a to give, us, give us hand signals. That or a very good editor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to have to add videos so we can see each other. Oh, I, I think it's it's so complicated. I, I would like to to be able to to point to a single thing that this is where we can do something to help. But with news being a business, you know they have to go where the dollars are. They have to go where the viewers are. And then when you throw politics into the mix, the politicians are are looking by and large, I think, for the next election, for re-election, and for support from people in their constituency. Mm-hmm. So it 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 goes down to to viewers and uh, and votes and it it's a tough it's an uphill fight for for science for NASA for space to to get the uh, the billing on the front page. Right, and also what you mentioned when it comes to viewers, I mean, uh, you know, they have NASA TV, and it's great that they have it, but uh, the only three places I know of are the internet and two satellite TV providers. And the other day, there was a whole conversation going on on Twitter where there was a bunch of people saying, you know, um, I wish there was a way that I could get NASA TV on my actual television. And I know pretty much just about all of us have called our cable provider and asked, uh, can we get NASA TV? Is it ever going to come to, um, you know, your lineup? And they always say, let me check. No, I'm sorry. They have a station. But it would be better if they actually uh, pushed it a little bit and put on programming that people would like to watch rather than animated kids with large noses. <laughs> uh, Sawyer, to, to, yeah, I mean, I, I've had a, uh, a little bit of a run-in. I had a, uh, had a just, just a few days ago, and I'm, I'm no joke, I had a Fios gentleman sort of show up at my door and ask if I was going to be switching anytime soon because apparently he saw the dish up on the roof. I do have direct TV, and I do watch NASA television through there. And I said, no, the reason why is I, I looked at your channel lineup, and NASA television's not part of it. Um, he kind of looked at it me like I had three heads. Uh, he didn't even know that NASA had a television network. And I said, yeah, it, it's the old NASA select system, um, which has just basically gone public. And... Uh, they not only go ahead and televise a lot of the launch events, but they also do some educational programming, and um, that's that to me is a critical thing. I mean, I'm not a big idiot. I don't watch a lot of HBO or anything like that, and it's one of the reasons why I switched from from my old cable provider to Direct Television, but because at the time they had NASA Television, so. Um, uh, un- unless FiOS gets uh, NASA Television, I'm not. I'm not leaving. And the gentleman actually said thank you, because you know I didn't slam the door on him, but I also told him what I'm looking for. So hopefully, maybe that will jog something with some Verizon exec somewhere, 
and they'll throw that in their lineup. But um, when I switched to FiOS in 2007, I asked specifically about NASA TV. Oh, it's one of the channels that it's on our list to pursue. Well, I'm still waiting. <laughs> and oh, you know, I, yeah, I got the same answer in 08. Ouch. From Ouch. FiOS as well, but their TV quality and HD is so great that the only reason I'm not switching over and what I'll do is I'll hook up my laptop to my computer. That way I can watch it on a big screen as if I'm watching NASA TV. Yeah, um, the other thing, too, that, that you folks mentioned was the programming. And I have to have to say there's a couple of good programs in their defense. Uh, the uh, NASA, NASA Connect 360 is pretty good. Um, and, of course, uh, NASA Edge is just off the wall. Um, but if we had more programming on there like those two television programs, um, I think we might be in better shape. Also, if you're going to run the educational programming, run it at a time where the teachers will record it and not on prime time, because that's what they're doing. I think 8 o'clock or 9, 9 o'clock is the education hour they run. So you might want to think about rerunning that at a, at an earlier time than, than prime time, because that's the only way you're going to go ahead and catch an audience. If you're trying trying to do something really really interesting, don't you know run the little cartoons with the large noses on prime time. You just, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, but again, they've got a bully pulpit out there. It's a television station for God's sake. Leverage it right, and maybe we may see something going on. And I have to agree with all of you in that respect. Gina, do you want to add anything else? Um. Well, I would make one side comment that sometimes NASA TV is not so great. Uh, there's lots of times you put it on and you see no, there's no audio and you just see mission control and maps in front of you. And for most of the American public, that's probably pretty boring. Um, I know there's been times where I've been local in the Cocoa Beach area, and obviously it's predominant there. You can get it on any um, hotel TV and I've watched several hours of just mission control, just not doing much but looking at maps and looking on console. So I don't know if there's other programming. I mean, you know, like the Carl Sagan Cosmo series or something that they could add to their lineup that, you know, would provide some more value. Maybe the cable providers don't see a lot of value in it because really, I mean, other than some exciting launches and landings, hours go by and there's not much else that um, – you know, would appeal to mainstream America. So um, using it as a bully pulpit, um, you know, I don't know, maybe there should be interview astronauts or, you know, maybe they should each have, um, you know, sort of a talking head biography of how I became an astronaut or this is what happened on our mission. I mean, that would be great. And I think that's the kind of thing that kids would love to hear right from an astronaut. Or even interview, uh, you know, the older generation of NASA astronauts and get them on there. I mean, you know, you get a whole bunch of um, baby boomers that would probably dial into that. You hear someone like a Jim Lovell talk or, you know, I know a lot of times you find Buzz Aldrin or Jim Lovell on shows like The Universe or, you know, on the History Channel or any, you know, sort of more mainstream um, television, but, you know, NASA has access to these guys, and this is when they might need to use them. Uh, right. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. Thanks. No, I was just going to say that, um, I mean, with what you're saying, even, I actually met Buzz Aldrin today, and it seems like it would be so easy to get him for some of these things, especially if it's educational, especially if it's promoting the American space program, 
which he even said in his book, which he was kind enough to autograph for me. But um, besides that, I mean, it's honestly, I agree with you completely on that thought that if you're going to show programming, let it be something that people will watch and will appeal to all generations. And I think that kids would actually learn better from some of the older astronauts who have had more experience and have gone in the past to different places while NASA had a different mindset than the astronauts now, which it's pretty much NASA shouting at them. They're almost puppets. Like, this is what you can say. This is what you can't. The older astronauts, they don't have any more restrictions other than a few minor ones. They can say what they like pretty much. And I honestly think that would be better for um, interest. Mark, do you have any other, other ideas? Yeah, sorry, I was muted. Um, no problem. It's it's a it's a tough solution. It's probably a, a slow process to improve the the visibility of of NASA in the minds of the public. Um, you know, intermittently, the public has gotten very interested in it when something goes wrong, but uh, they don't see the successes. And I found a report recently that I mentioned that that shows how much science is being done on the International Space Station. And there's things that that people have no idea of. There's even research on uh, uh, hip fractures and the effects of, uh, and I can't find it, but, but hip fractures and the risk of that with, with bone changes in space for the astronauts and, and the effects of that when they return and I guess, you know, long ways down the road most likely. But things like that that have a direct application to our world and, and you know, to people that we know and people that we've known that have had troubles. And it, does NASA get any kudos for that? No, it's, it's just kind of buried away and not, uh, not looked at. It's a shame. I have to agree with you, Mark. And and uh, one of the one of the big problems is I think NASA may be victims of its own success. I mean, they've made this so look so routine that uh, I believe there was a comment in the movie Apollo 13 where the gentleman said, "Yeah, we've we've made going to the moon you know look like a trip to Pittsburgh." And um, no no offense to anybody listening in Pittsburgh, but that's just you know they're just saying it's just been it's been very very routine. And uh, I think maybe maybe NASA again might be a victim of its own success. And that's it for.